Rich said to me, John, he said, I'm going to be in Alabama. He said, would you take the service? I said, I'd be glad to. He said, tell a lot of sports stories. I'm not going to tell you a lot of sports stories. Rich is really impressed that I get to go in and speak to these teams. But the interesting thing is, those people are just like I am. And then yet last Monday, I had to jet. Kevin Mawise always sitting right in the middle, taking notes, what I say. Chad Pennington, always sitting in this, sees over to the right. A ton of nodding his head. And going in to share with those athletes is just like coming to share with you. They have the same problems you have, the same crap in my life that you have in yours. No different. It's just that they're well known. You, you watch them on TV and, and you think, oh, wow, I wish I had that position. A few years ago, what happened was a guy came in from California. He's named Scott Math, and they, he called the F, FCA director and they said, Do you have any speakers? And they said, Yeah, this guy named Tice, he, he, he can help you out. So in those years, I had the Mets. They've since changed baseball chapel. But I, and I used this story the other day, and I'm going to use it with you, because that's what we're going to speak on, the change inside of you and me, exactly what Charlie sang this morning. But I remember, I remember this morning, uh, the Boston Red Sox were, were playing, and I spoke, and when it's over in, in baseball chapel, they shake your hand and they leave, unless they want to talk to you about something. But I never forgot this. The guy was Darren Lewis. You Major League Baseball fans who know about Darren Lewis is now out of baseball. Little diminutive African-American center fielder. Played for a few teams. Fielded well. Couldn't hit. <laughs> but I remember Darren Lewis saying this. I'll never forget it. On the way out, he shook my hand. He said, hit me in the butt. He said, thanks for the truth, man. And I've never forgotten that. Because anywhere I go, I, I try to tell the truth, as Rich does from this pulpit. And what I thought I would do this morning, when you talk about a new year, you talk about optimism. <laughs> I thought I would share with you this morning, sports stories, FCA, the Bible. From a portion of scripture, we don't have PowerPoint, you'll see why in a few minutes the way this guy speaks. <laughs> a parable of the prodigal son. I just want to read a couple of verses to you. If you just listen. Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. He went out to a far country and he squandered his wealth in wild living. The Bible says he began to be in need, this younger son, and he hired himself out. And this portion struck me. And he ended up in the field with the pigs. And then the Bible says, while he was a long way off, he came to a census. He said, I'm going to go back to my father. And then the Bible says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled. And get this word, ladies and gentlemen, with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And he said, let's celebrate this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Interesting. Charles Dickens was once asked this question. What is the greatest short story ever written? And Charles Dickens said, it's a story of the prodigal son. 
He said, the greatest short story ever written is a parable of the prodigal son. And I think the reason for that is it has universal appeal. It can happen in Pennsylvania. It can happen in New Jersey, Detroit, Summit, my house. It's a story of a young man who was tired of all the rules and regulations. There might be some teenagers like that here this morning. I don't know. Spoken to teenagers, hundreds, last few years at FCA camp. And, and you talk to them afterwards, and they're like this story, like this guy. And he was tired of all the rules and regulations. Had a good home. He had material things. He had all the stuff. But he was tired of the old man's rules and regulations. And if you let me use this in 06, he goes into his room, and he turns up the, the, the music, and he blasts the music, and he just thinks to himself, man, I just want a life of my own. And he goes to the old man. He said, look, Dad, I've been in your hair. I'm tired of your rules. You're tired of me. Tell you what, just give me my share of the inheritance. And the Bible says something interesting. It says the father gave him his share of the inheritance, one-third of the inheritance. And he went to a far country, away from home, never realizing everything he had came from his father. And he went to the father, the far country, I should say, and I'm sure he, he, he had a good life. He had the good life. You know what I'm talking about. He had the stuff. He had the things. But he, he was empty inside. Interesting what happens. And I've read this, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how many times in my life, and about four or five years ago, jumped out at me. And bear with me this morning, because my wife says I'm too practical. But you have to be practical in this portion of Scripture. What jumped out at me was this. It said he went to the far country, and he was with the pigs. And what jumped to me was this, what pig is there in your life, Tice, that's burdening you down spiritually? What pig is there in your life that might be hindering you from coming to the foot of the cross or knowing Christ as your personal Savior? That's interesting. One of the things, I have to start with my own life because believe me, I've had some problems you don't want to know about. I know forgiveness. Believe me. Not you, me. And one of the great things with adults this morning is this, the idea of parenting. The responsibility we have to raise our children in the admonition and and teaching of God. That God has given our two daughters to us and we're to raise them under the teaching of the word of God in a godly home. That we can give those daughters some some fundamentals of scripture to live by. I always remember the story of Reggie White. Reggie White, you football fans know, he just 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 died a year ago. Massive massive stroke, heart attack, exactly a year ago. I know Reggie White was interviewed on, on national TV. And whatever you want to think about Reggie White, he loved Jesus. Boy, he preached. Uh, he's been our chapel. We had 500 kids from FCA. I'll never forget it. Boy, could he preach. He was unabashed. Interesting. This night I'm watching him on TV, and somebody said to him, Reggie, when you retire, what do you want to be remembered as? The greatest this. And they had all the litany of the, his rewards. And Reggie White looked at that guy in the eye, and he said, when I retire, I want my little boy. Jeremy, to look at me and say, there is a man of God. What a legacy. What a legacy. That if I were to die tonight, that Julie and Heather Tice could say that. 
I hope they could. Another pig. Something we deal with. Interesting. And it's this. It's simply the idea, the idea of that I'm a religious person and I'm good enough. That's a big pig in a lot of people's lives. The idea that I've done this and I've done this and I'm good enough and I haven't done this. God doesn't measure me by that. God measures what his son did on Calvary's cross for this guy standing here. It's not about good works. It's about the finished work of Christ on the cross. Going into a new year, being optimistic is a new birth. The change inside of you that Charlie sang about this morning. And the question is not religion, it's relationship. I know a lot of people who are religious. And so do you. Religion will not get us to heaven. It's an interesting thing. Somebody asked me the other day about character. We were talking about this in class. And they were talking about, how do you define character? And one of the best definitions of character I ever heard was the athletic director of North Carolina State. He says this, I've never forgotten it. Character is what you are when nobody is watching. A number of years ago, they were interviewing Tom Landry. And as you know, who football fans know, Tom Landry is recognized as one of the greatest football coaches in the history of the NFL. Tom Landry was being interviewed, and in those days he had uh, two tall Jones and Dwayne Thomas and Thomas Hollywood Henderson, some of the guys who were out and out tough characters. And this particular person was interviewing Tom Landry, and they were talking about character with Tom Landry. And another statement, ladies and gentlemen and teenagers, I'll never forget. Tom Landry looked right at that interviewer and said, you talk about character. He said, there's only one person who can change a person's character, and that is Jesus Christ. And he went on to give his testimony as a result of that. Not loud, not flashy, just a statement of faith, how Tom Landry came to Christ. Religion, big pig. Parenting, lack of it, big pig. Other pig, rebellion. Might be subtle rebellion in your life, my life. Might be sophisticated rebellion. Might be the rebellion that shake your fist at God and say, John, I don't need any of Jesus business. Any type of rebellion. But it's rebellion. I don't know if you've read the book, but if you're a mom and dad here and have a teenage daughter, a junior high daughter, I urge you to get the book. The title of it is She Said Yes. You know the story. The story of Cassie Burnell, the young girl at Columbine High School. After her death, she was interviewed on 2020. Her, her parents were. Never knew the story. Mom and dad are seated in front of the camera, and the interviewer, I forget who it was in those days, interviewed Mr. and Mrs. Burnell. And they said, what was Cassie like? Her mom had... Tears began to roll down her face. What was she like? She said she was a problem for us. She said she was into drugs, alcohol, and witchcraft. And my husband and I didn't know what to do. We just kept praying. We just kept praying. And one weekend... There was a youth retreat... And Cassie said, I'm not going. Her parents said, yeah, you are. 
They put her on the bus and she went away on a Friday night. And Mrs. Burnell said this on national TV. She said, when they came back home, Cassie got off the bus, ran to me and hugged me and said, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Her parents couldn't believe it until what happened next. The same Cassie Burnell, (laughs) who didn't have that life Charlie sang about before she went away on that weekend, was the same Cassie Burnell, and this has been documented in many places, would take her Bible at lunchtime at Columbine High School and go to the cafeteria and read. The same Cassie Burnell, who had the, had the new birth, would witness the kids, and they couldn't believe it was the same Cassie Burnell. Yeah, you're right. It's the same Cassie Burnell, who was underneath the table in the library, When Claybold pointed the gun at her and says, do you still believe in God now? <laughs> he said, yes, I do. He said, you still believe in him now? Psh, blew her into eternity. And that life had been a life that had been lost and, and was found. A life as a teenager that had a tremendous impact on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids in, in Colorado and nationwide as a result of that death. And yet, here's a girl who was transformed. She'd been living in rebellion. I'll give you one more and we'll move on. What, what, about, what about the pig of a hard heart? See, that's the prodigal. The prodigal is the, kid, the guy who had a hard heart and was away from home. I ask you this morning, I ask myself this morning, how is my heart spiritual? I head into 06. What difference will there be in my heart in 06 than there was in 05? I'm going back on this story, but it's a good one. Texas is playing, uh, I guess, Wednesday night, right? USA? Back in the 50s, my friend Jack Carmichael's back here. He was instrumental in finding this guy for me. It's quite a story. 1950s. This guy played for the University of Texas named Scott Appleton. Scott Appleton won the Outland Trophy, which was symbolic of the best uh, lineman in America. Scott Appleton got drafted and had a cup of tea, as they say, had a cup of coffee with Oakland and Dallas. He didn't last because what happened to Scott Appleton was Scott Appleton ended up around the corner in a mental institution, a mental psychiatric area, around the corner where for four years, people, 70,000 people, Longhorns, cheered him on Saturday afternoons. Scott Applin told me the story in our living room in Summit, New Jersey. We were able to track him down. He was in for a youth rally. He talked about hard hearts to kids. Now, I want you to hear the story. Scott Applin said, John, he said, I could not hold a glass without shaking. I was so shot because of the drugs and alcohol and sin in my body. He said, I was gone. <laughs> he said, I was gone. I lost my wife. I lost my bone. He said, I lost everything. And he said, until one day, he said, a guy came in the hospital from a local church and, and wanted to read the Bible with me. He said, I don't want anything to do with the Bible. <laughs> he said, I'm a mess, man. I don't want need the Bible. And he said, he said, the guy was persistent, and he said, okay, no problem, Scott, I'll come back some other time. He said, the guy kept coming back, and he said, I saw there's something different about him. Did you hear that? Something different about him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. First 
four books in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Many people have never read those four books, but they look at my life and they look at your life and they see Jesus or they don't see Jesus. And that's what Scott said in essence. He said, I'm looking at this guy's life and, and he wasn't angry. He was coming back and loved to me. And he said, guess what? He said, he said I got radically born again. I got radically, radically came to Christ. And Scott Apple went nationwide sharing the gospel. And we had him over here in Berkeley Heights with FCA uh, quite a few years ago now, about 10, 12 years ago. And I'll never forget, we had a big rally at, at Mountain Ridge Bible Chapel, and we had a big rally at Long Hill. Packed it. It's a snowy night. We're on the way home. And Scott wasn't saying anything in the car, and I said, Scott, I'm asking you a question. You seem a little down. He said, I'm not down. He said, I'm just concerned about our teenagers here. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know the biggest change I see between teenagers in the South? Realizing he was only here for a weekend. Teenagers in the South and here. I said, no. He said, I, I just sense, I just sense at the last two nights how many hard hearts the teenagers have here. Kind of interesting. Hard heart. New York City. I'll tell you this story. It just came to me. There's a, a place in New York City. Some of you have seen it on TV and, and heard about it. It's called the, it used to be Macaulay Water Street Mission. Now it's a New York mission. And those men come off the street, and they get a number, 230. And if that, they're one of the lucky numbers to get in. That number allows them to get a meal, to listen to a speaker, to have a place to sleep, get up in the morning at 5 o'clock and have some oatmeal and, and, and a piece of bread, and they're back out in the streets. again. humbling experience. Humbling. So humbling. When my daughters were still at home, I took them one night before Thanksgiving when I had to speak. I'd never forget it. Never been the same guy. And the story that most strikes me about, about that story in, in New York is this. That night they introduced me. I guess they said John Tice, Summit, New Jersey. Whatever they said. It wasn't important. But when it was over, a guy walked up to me a lot closer than Earl is to me. Almost face to face. He said, hey, John. I said, yeah. He said, I'm like you. Or he said, I, I should say, I was like you. I, I didn't know what he meant. He said, I'm from Wachung. He said, I'm married too. He's like you, Tice. He said, I have two kids. He said, but I lost my wife and I lost my family. And I must have looked away from him. He said, look at me. Got my attention. And I looked at him. And he said something I've never forgotten. And it's a great illustration he goes, John, he says, I'm dirty on the outside, right? I said, yeah, you are. He said, I'm even dirtier on the inside. He hit my chest and walked away. I've never forgotten that. And you know what? Before I came to the position where I know Christ is my Savior, I was dirty on the inside too. You may be here today and you need changed on the inside. I don't know that. I don't know. But I do know this. I do know this. That song dovetailed beautifully what this message is about. Because those are some pigs maybe in your life. I don't know. But I do know this. The Bible says this. When he came to his senses, he said, I'm going back home. See, this story is told in three parts, ladies and gentlemen. Sick of home. Homesick. And home again. And see, this guy, this person in the far country, comes to his senses, it means he repented. He realized there had to be a change in his life. 
He says, I'm going back to my father. And the Bible says something interesting. You read that portion of scripture. The Bible says this. The father saw him when he was a long distance off. I got to believe that if it's you, ladies and gentlemen, it's me. And that was my son. Every time that phone rang, I'd pick up that phone. Every time there's a letter, I'd be waiting. And it says, it says, the father ran to him and threw his arms around him. And he said, look, my son was lost and is found. My son was lost and is found. My son was dead. My son is alive. See, when you look at this portion of scripture, some great principles jump out and it's this. And don't miss this. This is important. One of the great principles of this scripture is this. The grace of God, mercy, unlocked the door for this guy in a red check shirt. It's by his mercy that I can stand here and Rich can stand here on Sunday mornings and share truth with you. Thanks for the truth, man, Derek Lewis said. His mercy unlocks the door that I can repent and have a changed life. Second thing that this teaches, and I think it's a key point, nothing you have ever done in your life can exclude you from knowing the man we're preaching about this morning. If you repent of that. It's a great principle. Because the Bible says, and a great encouragement to me, the Bible says this. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over people who come home. What a great teaching. Rabbi Zacharias, and some of you know that name, he is one of the most intellectual, apologetic preachers throughout the world. Solid Christian out of Atlanta, Georgia. Speaks worldwide. Speaks at Harvard and all these intellectual places. He's an apologist. Defends the faith. He was at a uh, conference not too long ago, around the table with the people from Shintoism, Buddhism, and so forth, and the world religions. High figures, high rollers, (laughs) intellectuals. And somebody said to him, Mr. Zacharias... How is your religion, Christianity, different than our religion? And Ravi looked at him and said, two ways. Forgiveness of sins. And number two, the assurance of salvation. Now, as I stand here this morning, I'm about done. I'm about done. But standing here this morning, about optimistic. I don't know one way we could be more optimistic going into 06 is to note that my eternity has been sealed. That this young man... This young man was away from home, and he knew he was living in a lifestyle he shouldn't live in, and he repented, he got right, and it says, it says a father threw his arms around him. And there's joy, it says they began to celebrate. Ike was there, uh, I'm going to use this, it just came to my mind, Ike. Ike was uh, at FCA camp a couple years ago when we spoke. 500 kids in the audience. What they do, they bring these kids in for the week, they don't bring them in, they pay money to come in, FCA. And it's sports camp. They have college coaches, high school coaches, 500 of them. And they have some of the best speakers in the East. There are, I tell you, the guy out of D.C. named Stitz, Steve Fitzhugh. He used to play for the, uh, for the Denver Broncos. Steve Fitzhugh is just, there is nobody can speak better to kids than he can. Powerful, powerful. They have great speakers. So they're all weak. They have say, perspiration and inspiration. That's what the FCA calls it. Fellowship of Christ. Perspiration and inspiration. 
get professional college athletes to come and give their testimony. Guys, he said, hey, I screwed up. So let's think about the Bible. I love the Bible because there's scars on its heroes. Talks about people like me. People screwed up. At the end of the week, Thursday night, they went to call open mic. Any kid, any kid can come to that mic. You have 30 seconds, 30 seconds. They have a timer. And say what that camp meant. Not to thank a speaker. Not to talk about themselves. Teenagers now. Teenagers. Age of some of you in here. Come to this podium. 30 seconds, say anything, if they want to. Last two years, I copied these down. Lost, found. Gave a sermon last night, right? My girlfriend, in cheerleading, is now going to spend eternity with me. Truth and love. We'll always remember that when we leave this camp. I came... I was messed up. I recommitted my life to Christ. Kid. (laughs) Old life. This is all he said. Old life. Sex. Girls. Rock and roll. New life. Faith. Son. Holy Spirit. And he sat down. I just want to thank God. If you don't know the Lord, you need him. (laughs) One little girl from Baltimore, Maryland. I still remember. She said... People coming to the altar, getting saved. That's all I have to say. And then this young lady from Maryland, probably the most well-spoken, and yet for 30 seconds, I'll never forget her. She looked at the kids, and she said, Stand up and be a leader for God. <laughs> Jesus fire. <laughs> Spread it when you go home. Spread the fire. Can't say that unless you've had the new birth. I close with this story and we're done. There's not one person in this auditorium this morning who wouldn't know who Billy Graham is. And as a little kid, I used to watch his crusades occasionally on TV. And He's written a book. And in the book, he tells a story, ladies and gentlemen, teenagers, don't miss this. Don't let's miss this. I'm done. <laughs> that really encapsulates, really, the whole business we're talking about. Billy Graham tells a story of one night he was in a crusade in the northeast. I forget the city. He said that the evening was over, and he was back in his hotel room with George Shea, who sings with him. And they were there doing some discussing of something. And he said, there was a rap on the door. He said, I went to the door, Graham says, and standing there at the door was a man with a three-piece suit, looked like he was out of GQ, beautiful suit, tie, top coat. Guy looked at Billy Graham and he said, Mr. Graham, he said, uh, can I come in? Graham said, I was taken aback in the book. He said, sure. He said, so we opened and stood back and hung the man's coat up for him. And the man looked at Graham and said, could, could we pray? Graham said, Absolutely. Billy Graham said that he got down on his hands and knees, and George Shea did, and this man did. And Billy says, I, I, I prayed briefly, and, 
And then George Shea prayed, and we were waiting for the man who requested to pray. To pray. <laughs> so we waited about a minute, and all of a sudden, he said the guy started, stood up and walked over to the, to the rack. We looked at him, and he went over and put his top coat on. He walked right up to me, and he said this to Billy Graham. He said, Billy, he said, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, you were in Columbia, South Carolina, holding an evangelistic crusade. Right? Graham said, I don't know. I've been to South Carolina. He said, I was there 20 years ago. You preached. And you gave a call to come forward if you wanted to accept Jesus. He said, that night, everybody was on their feet. I was too. He said, you know what I did? Graham was completely befuddled to this point. He said, absolutely not. Guy says, I bowed my head. And I prayed this prayer. Jesus, you leave me alone. And I'll leave you alone. He said, Billy Graham, you're looking at a man going to a lost eternity. The optimistic message is that you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ died on a cross and shed his blood for the person sitting where you are. That's the glory, the glory of speaking to these, some of these pro guys who have a great platform. And I don't know Kevin Moy, other than he speaks to me and gives me a hug every time. He's talked peripheral, but he's always taking notes. You see, his heart's in the right place. And yet, Kevin Moy, I will tell you, he has a problem. One of his pigs is a speech. But he's been forgiven. He knows the assurance of salvation. And the great story this morning is, in 06, 06, you can know him. Him. The one rich and tight preach about to know him. Assurance of salvation and forgiveness of sins. Shall we pray? Our Father in God, we bow our heads and hearts and minds here this morning. And First of all, God, very thankful for such an attentive audience. Everyone's attention up front. We pray that the messenger was not the issue here, but the message was the issue. We pray that there's anyone here this morning who has questions, that they would stay behind. Just pray, God, this morning that you would just encourage each heart because you know the heart of every person in this auditorium. You know where they're at spiritually. No pressure, but in love, we just ask that as we study your word and look at this story, what truth there is that you loved us and died on a cross through Jesus' death for us. And we thank you now for each home here and help each of us to be ever mindful and ever thankful of your goodness and grace. Thank you for each home represented. Pray for Rich and Charlene. Pray for this work that would magnify your name and has been sung this morning that we have a transformed life from within. We'll be careful to give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.